Hi, my name is Tierra Johnson and I am a first year student at Randolph College. My intended major is biology and I also run track and cross country as well. The book that I am introducing to you today is The Slave Ship and Human History and is written by Marcus Redeker. The author was born in Owensboro, Kentucky in 1951. This family has a history of being workers in mines. He grew up in Richmond, Virginia, in Nashville, Tennessee, and went to two different universities, Vanderbilt University and Virginia Commonwealth University. Then, for graduate school, he attended the University of Pennsylvania, where he majored in history. He has also taught at Georgetown University and even lived in Moscow, Russia. Dr. Redeker is currently a professor at the University of Pittsburgh and a senior research fellow. Throughout his life, he has been active in peace movements and social justice and is trying to get rid of the death penalty. His works and edited books include Between the Devil and the Deep Blue Sea, 1987, Who Built America, 1989, Volume 1, The Many-Headed Hydra, 2000, with Peter Leinbaugh, Villains of All Nations, 2004, The Slave Ship, 2007, which is the book that I'll be talking about today, Many Middle Passages, 2007, The Amistad Rebellion, 2012, Mutiny and Maritime Radicalism in the Age of Revolution, 2013, and Outlaws of the Atlantic, 2014. A book that he most recently finished is The Fearless Benjamin Lay, The Quaker Dwarf Who Became the First Revolutionary Abolitionist, which is published by Beacon Press in September 2017. Dr. Redeker has lectured throughout the United States and abroad in Kolkata, Medellin, Moscow, Sydney, Tokyo, and Vienna. His works have been translated into many languages, including Arabic, Chinese, French, German, Greek, Hebrew, Italian, Japanese, Korean, Portuguese, Russian, Spanish, Swedish, and Turkish. His books have won numerous awards, including the George Washington Book Prize, American Studies Association's John Hope, Franklin Book Prize, American Historical Association's James A. Raleigh Prize, and the Organization of American Historians Merle Curdy Award. So far, he has won it twice. He held fellowships from the American Council of Learned Societies, John Simon, Memorial Foundation, Andrew P. Mellon Foundation, and the National Endowment of the Humanities. This book consists of historical content from around the 1700s, which is when the transatlantic slave trade was growing. Throughout each chapter of this book, I saw multiple references to the slaves, the captain or seamen of the ship, and even the ship itself. Beginning with the slaves in the first chapter, I was immediately astonished by how each slave was treated when they did not comply with what the seamen told them to do. This included the slaves being raped or beaten to death and fed to the sharks that constantly surrounded the ships. The captains always wanted sharks to surround the ships so that as soon as a slave is tossed overboard, they would immediately be eaten by the hungry sharks. As far as the seamen that were on board watching after the slaves, they were only treated slightly better. They may be thinking, well, I thought seamen would be treated well, but sadly they weren't, which explains why there was constant mistreatment of slaves. They were upset and took it out of them, but does it make it right for them to do? Not at all. 
This book is considered as a secondary source because Marcus Rudiger has used hundreds, maybe thousands, of sources to construct this history of the slave ship. The characters examine the captains, seamen, seamen and slaves. There's a storyline that retells the narratives exhibited in many stories from diaries and journals of captain or seamen. Unfortunately, while on ships, slaves did not know how to write or didn't have the resources to write. Therefore, we do not have any primary sources from their perspective. Therefore, Ritiker is forced to use the sources created by captains and seamen to reconstruct this history. When it comes to my thoughts and opinions about this book, I have many. Beginning with chapter one, it started with this quote. Lying in the bottom of the canoe in three or four inches of dirty water with a woven mat thrown over her travel-weary body, the woman could feel the rhythmic pull of the paddles by the bonny canoemen but cannot see where they were taking her. Honestly, that exact sentence is what made me actually sit down and read the book. I was intrigued, and after all of that, I was able to not fall asleep while reading a book for once. The book does have long chapters, but they are interesting to where you do know, where you will not notice the length of them. In the second chapter, it was basically the most in-depth description of how slave ships evolved. This section was surprisingly interesting because I did know, not know about the many types of slave ships they built. And this included like the first model of the slave ship to around like the most recent model of the slave ship at the time, which I didn't know that there was really a difference in the slave ships. So this was interesting to me. The third chapter consisted of how slaves happened to be captured, the slave trade, and many different sections slowing the ways of the Middle Passage. The first two sentences of this chapter consisted of the man the Malinky traders brought aboard was tall, 5 feet 10 inches and thin, in his late 20s. His head and beard shaved close like a prisoner of war. Captain Stephen Pike of the Arabella brought him, but barely without looking at his hands to see if they're hard and rough, accustomed to labor. Now with this, um, with their hands, uh, captains wanted the slaves' hands to look a certain way, which sounds weird. <laughs> to me, it sounds weird, but um, <laughs> basically, um, they would know if a slave's hand looked rough, that they were already used to doing work, but if they didn't, they didn't work very well the next three chapters were from the perspectives of Oluda Equiano, James Field Stanfield and John Newton starting with Oluda Equiano he was young when he was transported to a ship and spoke all about his surroundings ranging from the actual ship to the passengers that surrounded him at all times next was the tone while growing up and how it was changing right in front of his eyes um, <laughs> while growing up in his village. After all that, he was explaining everything about being taken from his homeland, which included this. Equiano and his sister were left alone to mind the house. For reasons unknown, the adults did not take the usual precautions. Two men and a woman soon climbed over the earthen walls of the family compound, and the moment they seized us both. 
Then the transition to him beyond the ship and his experience with being on the middle passage within the next few chapters. I will not speak on them in detail so that I don't um, spoil the entire book and what I previously mentioned. Chapter 7 was about what captains go through in order to actually become a captain of the ship. Chapter 8 was somewhat similar to the previous chapter because of the continuation of the members of the crew that were aboard the ships. Chapters 9 through 11, 11 is considered another chapter to me, is another chapter to me, but is considered the epilogue to the author, were great chapters to end with, in my opinion. It did not seem to be a last minute add-on with these chapters or that they were placed incorrectly or just thrown in there. With chapter 9, it was about how slaves went from captured and feeling captured and defeated to enjoying the presence of those who surrounded them, which did not include the seamen or the captains of the ships. Also, there were the slaves communicating. Also, there were ways the slaves communicated along with creating groups to go against what they were being ordered to do, which basically was there were many details about how they did that so like for example they would find a way to communicate with each other in like a smaller group and then eventually pass it on to the other slaves aboard and just basically go against everything that is being told to them and that's how they would I guess you could say rebel against just everything after that there was a section including how the slaves are being a were able to bond with each other in chapter 10 is about the slave ship brooks and the descriptions along with pictures of how the ship looked and the impact on whoever was aboard of it this included a movement the abolitions abolitionist started to show that these ships did not show any aspects of humanity at all and how it was mental, mentally and physically torture for the slaves. It led to the abolitionists not wanting these ships to exist and starting off this movie that people had never seen before. The epilogue was definitely a great addition since not many books that I have read do not have one to finish their storyline off with. So overall, um, while reading these chapters, it taught me many things that I have never learned before. So overall, this is one of the most interesting yet informative books I have ever read. The chapters had great stopping points and specific sections that separated thoughts out perfectly. It had a great introduction that brought me to read it in the first place and ended in a good way as well. This book never seemed to drag on or repeat itself and there was only slight similarities with a few of the chapters but it does not make my opinion any different. From start to finish, I will read this book again and recommend it to others and you as well. This book is great for teaching what should have been taught in public school history classes and speaking of the unspoken from the perspective of who we know as well as who we never heard of. Thank you for listening to my part of the podcast and make sure to read The Slave Ship, A Human History.